Welcome to Books That Work, the best and most useful bits of business books. I'm Anna Hughes and my professional purpose is to help people love their work. This is Season 3 of Books at Work and I do hope you stay with me for our episodes as I mix it up a bit, looking for inspiration to make work better by learning new stuff from a range of different book types. You know, on one hand, you could say, well, if if uh, corporates or businesses or other entities are using a whakatauki or a whakatauaki completely out of context on its own, then that could be um, criticised for being tokenistic. So I think there is um, an opportunity to think more broadly about, okay, if we're going to use cultural resources such as whakatauki, whakatauaki, what what other things, what other infrastructure can we bring forward? Can we value? That's Dr. Hinamoa Elder, author of Aroha, a book of Māori wisdom and whakatauki, our beautiful first book for this season. A quick plug first though, please follow Books at Work on Instagram or comment on booksatwork.co.nz. There's a free copy of Aroha up for grabs if you do. So let's get into our speed read of Aroha. Dr Hinamoa Elder welcomes us to Aroha, inviting us to discover how we can find greater contentment and kindness through 52 whakatoki, traditional Māori life lessons, one to draw on for each week of the year. Whakatoki are nuggets of wisdom providing life lessons, guidance, notes of caution and sometimes a source of comfort. They stem from the storytelling traditions of Māori culture. We are encouraged to pick a whakatoki for the week and take a moment to think about what it could mean in our current situation and questions we might be asking, and to trust the whakatoki to help find new possibilities and ways of thinking. The book groups whakatoki together into four topics, and this is a bit of how Hinamoa talks about each one. The first is manakitanga. Manaki is one of the cornerstones of the Māori world, expressing the essence of respectful caring and protection of others. It upholds generosity and provides hospitality. We're reminded that we need to take care of ourselves to provide manaki. The next is kaitiakitanga. The whakatoki in this section are about activating our role of custodians of our planet and caretakers of our natural environment. The third group of whakatoki is around whānau natanga. This is about our connections and the beauty of simple connections. And the last is around tinaranga teritanga, absolute self-determination, doing the right thing in the right way for ourselves and others. And in aroha, it's about understanding ourselves and providing a compass for the confusion around us. The whakatoki in Aroha traverse behaviours, insights and sentiments that can provide insights and guidance into our work lives. Things like listening, communication, learning, leadership, teamwork, procrastination, perseverance, courage, human connection and looking after our planet. Let's get into our conversation with Hinamoa now and she can tell us more. So I'm really excited for our first Books at Work episode for our new season. We have Dr. Hinemoa Elder with us and her beautiful book, Aroha. Kia ora. Kia ora. Namahidui. Kia koe. Kia koutou katoa. 
Rightio. Now, we start every conversation with the same question, and that is, where in the world are you, and what's the view out your matapihi, your window? <laughs> <Can't play. laughs> um, great, and, and top marks for practising your, your kupu Māori. Uh, matapihi, of course, the word for window. So um, I am on uh, Te Motu Arairua, otherwise known as Waiheke Island in the Hauraki Gulf. And my view includes some of the ocean, uh, some of uh, Te Wautapu Nuiā Tāne, the sacred forest of Tāne. And it's a little bit breezy this evening, but it's also sunny, so I can see the, the beautiful movement of the leaves against... Uh, the blue iridescent sky it's a lovely view i feel so lucky with our authors whenever i ask that question they paint such a beautiful picture and i've had great feedback from listeners about how it transports people to another place so top marks you did a great job there thank you very much so i just wanted to talk a little bit about um why you why you wrote aroha and um why you wanted to share the wisdom in the book well as you said, I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and so a big part of my career over the last 20 years or so has been bearing witness to and listening, tuning into whānau stories, to family stories, and their pain and their suffering. And a big part of that has been the theme around disconnection from nature, and also that when people are reconnected with nature, that it's really good for their mental health. So that's been one major strand that's been um, woven through my career so far. And the other aspect of, of many of our lives has been uh, learning te reo Māori and reconnecting with that um, fundamental aspect of our identity. And one of my teachers, one of our teachers was the great Te Wharehuia Milroy. And he was usually the person who taught whakatauki and whakatauaki, and I'll explain what they are in a moment. And he really inspired us to go forth as what he called puanani, are these seeds like dandelion seeds in the wind, and to share our, our culture, our nuances, our lens on the world uh, with the wider community as a way of championing, uh, of uh, maintaining the the essence, the, the lifeblood, if you will, of our language and our tikanga. So those, those big strands of my life have interwoven and I realised that I could put together a, a little book with um, a, a whakatauki, that's a proverbial saying, or a whakatauaki, a proverbial saying where we know the originator, one for every day, uh, one for every week of the year, uh, maybe one day I'll do one for, for every day of the year, Jeepers, that would be a bit of a bigger book. Um, <laughs> and, and just to uh, provide a really accessible resource uh, for our whānau Māori, for our, um, our parents, our children, our grandparents, anyone who's interested in just diving into some of my reflections about these wonderful sources of aroha and aroha is the maori concept of love but not only the kind of moonlight and roses kind of love the gritty fierce protecting love the empathic love compassionate love uh, the way that we feel passion and drive and commitment to kaupapa 
So I suppose that's another reason why I have had so much feedback from people in all sorts of disciplines and fields, including people working in the corporate sector and business and, and different forms of pursuits and activities where some kind of cohesive visionary um, picture that might come from the Māori world, that might come from the natural world, is quite helpful to get everyone to reconsider things from a different perspective. So if I could talk a little bit about that, normally Books at Work focuses on business books and with season three, I'm keen to explore and find inspiration in other areas. And I was given aroha in a work context. Um, I'm working with people who are looking at how whakatoki fit with their corporate strategies or the organisational strategies. So that's that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to to bring the book to our books at work community. Just wondering, do you do you feel comfortable with that? Is it should we be looking at whakatoki in the corporate sense? What 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 do you think about that? Look, I think this is a really good question, and it's always important, isn't it, to check in with ourselves and others and people we trust about um, what purpose are these cultural resources serving. And I think there, there is a there is a spectrum of, of opportunities. You know, on one hand, you could say, well, if if uh, corporates or businesses or other entities are using a whakatauki or a whakatauaki completely out of context on its own, then that could be um, criticised for being tokenistic. So I think there is um, an opportunity to think more broadly about, okay, if we're going to use cultural resources such as whakatauki, whakatauaki, what what other things, what other infrastructure can we bring forward? Can we value, value and um, show that we're not just doing this as some sort of tick box exercise? Tick box exercise. <laughs> so, what are some of those resources? What 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 else should organisations be considering? Well, there are, there are a number of key ones. For example, karakia. So, um, karakia uh, Maori prayers have. Um, have a range of uh, ways of being used and uh, of helping to provide a sense of safety in the more spiritual realm. And I think increasingly, all of our workplaces and our lives, where we're wanting to express our spiritual beliefs, our sense of connection with with a higher sense of um, a, a higher being, perhaps. Certainly in Tao Māori, we're very clear about um, when we, when we pray for our food, we're sending thanks to all the different Māori gods who contribute to creating healthy kai for us to eat. So I think karakia is definitely one. We, we use that at the hospital where I work um, every day with, with every whānau that, uh, that, are, that would like that. The other, the other resources that are, are pretty obvious and easily accessible are things like waiata, different forms of waiata. I know that many groups... In, in the, um, you know, te tiriti or waitangi context here in Aotearoa, we need to have cultural competency to be able to go into a marae, to go into a cultural context or to welcome uh, Māori visitors and to be able to stand as a team, as a firm, as a, um, yeah, as an entity and sing something together as a support for one of our uh, our leaders to speak and welcome the visitors or to be welcomed by a Māori community. So waiata is another key one. And understanding the protocols, the rituals of encounter, 
in a porphyry or mihi whakatau, for example. Also being able to understand some of the importance of um, going to tangihanga. So when when we are um, confronted with a very sad occasion of, of one of our colleagues passing away, to feel that we can as a team go and express our our sadness and our grief and our connection to all of the people who are grieving for that person's passing. So I think there's lots of different aspects that we can join together to uh, bring more of ourselves into our tetiriti relationships at work. That's beautiful. Um, can I ask you then, are you comfortable talking about the whakatoki uh, as inspiration for teams and leaders, the, you know, the sorts of things that I want to talk about? Are you, are you comfortable with that? I'm really comfortable with it. I think that, you know, for some it might be an entry point and the first thing that people consider, and I'd hope that that is the, the opening of the door to many other resources coming through and being considered. Many people are learning to speak te reo and understand our tukanga, and we, you know, it's, it's a difficult journey. Look, I, I've done it as a, you know, second language learner, for some people, the pronunciation's really quite uh, tricky. <laughs> and, um, you know, we were reflecting earlier on we're a global community. People are working remotely with communities all around the world. People are traveling to work in countries where they don't speak the language and are having to learn other languages of communication for, for their lives, for their work and family life. And so I think we are all at different times challenged to pronounce in a respectful way um, the names, particularly the names first and foremost of our colleagues and their whānau, and also the names of places that are important for us and where we work and understanding history of those places too. So I think this is, this. Um, while this book is um, very much steeped into our Māori, I think it certainly does open up questions for our global community about language and pronunciation. Great. Right. So let's get into some of the um, wisdom in the book. In the book, you have 52 whakatoki, uh, one for each week for individuals. That's a beautiful resource. Um, but if we maybe just focus on some of those that might be relevant for teams, leaders and organisations, I wonder if we start with number 26, you know, could you tell Tapai. us what that is? And Absolutely. Tell us about that one. Tapai. So, um, ki te kotahi te kākaho ka whati, ki te kāpuia e kore e whati. This is a very famous whakatauaki. So this is... Um, this is by somebody we know well, um, one of our Māori kings, in fact. So Kingi um, Tāwhiao uh, was the person who coined this whakatauaki. So whakatauaki means we know where it came from. And what he's saying is he's noticing the reeds. And when reeds grow on their own, when they stand alone, they can be broken. But if they grow in a group, they are indestructible is what he's telling us. And so this is a really great example, which I use a lot, because I think, you know, one of the things that we've learned, particularly through COVID, is we need each other. We need connectivity and uh, in, in different ways. We've really come to appreciate it, haven't we? Because of isolation, because of bubbles, because of having half of our faces covered, which prevents that ease of connectivity and connection. So having a really clear picture from nature, which is what, most whakatauki and whakatauaki are about means that 
you know, a whole team gets it, <laughs> gets it straight away. There doesn't need to be a whole lot of uh, extra explanation. And and I think you can also then unpack, wow, you know, when you look at reads in a group, actually they all move with some with some individuality within the within the group, but as a group, they stand very strong. So I think it also uh, invites depth of interpretation, which will be um, contextual for the particular setting of the group. So we're just going to whiz through some of these to get your sure. insights and wisdom. So the next one I was going to have a go at pronouncing. Bye-bye. Shall I? Go on. <laughs> okay, this is number 38 in the book. Uh, so bear with me. He kuaka ma rangaranga, kotahi mano e, to to ki te tahuna, to atu, to atu, to atu. That's great. I think what that illustrates to me is that the the diphthongs in our language are quite tricky. So when we've got two vowels together, it's it is a hard one to get your tongue around. So words the the word tau t a u tau. It sounds like the English word for the things that you have at the end of your feet. Tau. It sounds a little bit like that. Uh, so yeah, that that is uh, also again a famous fakatawaki from one of my uh, tupuna, a man called Tumatahina, and he used this famous saying, which is about watching the kuaka, the godwits circling around, flocking around in the sky, and then one bird comes to rest on the sandbank, the tahuna, when it's safe, and the others follow. And I think this is, as you said, this is a great um, way of painting a picture for leaders and teams, because we want to know when things are safe. We want to follow somebody who creates a safe passage for the team, perhaps through really challenging times, a lot of businesses have been absolutely up against the wall financially, have had to um, reconfigure their, their business models, their, their ways of working. And so I think in terms of safety and safe passage and the progression of the, the new chapter for the business, this is a really useful one. Would you be able to... Uh... Say it for me. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. He kuaka marangaranga, kotahi manu, e tau ki te tauna, tauatu, tauatu, tauatu. Thank you very much. Radio, let's move on to number seven. Now, I was going to have a go at this, but I'm not sure I'm brave enough about it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> you you, you want go me first. to go first? Yes, All please. Right. <laughs> so this, yeah, this is one that's... Um, a very useful whakatauki. We don't know who originated that. That's lost in the mist of time. But this is one about the different calls of the birds in the ngahere in the bush. E koi koi te tui, e kete kete te kaka, e kuku te kereru. The tui squawks, the kaka chatters, and the kereru coos. So what this is saying is it takes all kinds of people. And we hear a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. These are the sort of buzzwords and important concepts. But I think sometimes because we are saying those uh, English words over and over again, they can they can lose it, their meaning, can't they? And so having some having some again really vivid uh, pictures that we can paint that are truly from Aotearoa that are really relatable from the bush. I mean, 
it's hard to imagine anyone who lives in this country not having been in the bush and heard the tui, the beautiful call of the tui, and maybe heard the kaka chattering and heard the little bits of um, bark dropping down when the kaka's eating some part of the of the tree. And the kereru, which has this very um, almost imperceptible cooing sound, which is which is beautiful to listen to. So um, I, I think again, this is another powerful way to to get people on board, essentially, um, to re to remind people that we we have different voices, genders, skins, goals, and that we can normalize that, that we can talk about that from our different perspectives. Um, and we can uphold and maintain the dignity of everyone's differences and diversity and find a way to work together. I really liked the simplicity of that one and uh, it was very relate relatable um, and it painted a picture uh, really easily. And I, I'm just reflecting on what you said about, you know, the language of diversity and inclusion can lose its meaning. And so bringing bringing that back to something that oh, is a little bit easier to connect to or a little bit more emotional. I think yeah. it's really valuable to think about um, something very personal. When, when some of these buzzwords start to lose their, their impact in a way, if we can turn it into something really personal as the whakatauki do, because as you say, they are emotional. You know, when you go into the bush and you listen to birds singing, it's it's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? It's hard to be it's hard to be grumpy and, <laughs> and cross when you're listening to birdsong. Yeah, great. Okay, so let's move on to number thirty-two. Could you tell okay, us what that is? Sure. And let's have a chat about how that might be applicable to to teams in particular. Mm, this is another very useful one that I that I use a lot. E My success is not mine alone. It is it is the success of the collective. So nobody gets there alone. One, one of the contexts that I use this in is, you know, we have on one hand a focus on independence, individuality, autonomy in much of the rehabilitation literature and much of the rehabilitation work that is that I'm involved with to do with traumatic brain injury and other conditions. And at the same time, actually, we recognize that we are all part of groups and we are social beings, we need each other. Loneliness is very bad for the brain, it's very bad for our emotional well-being. And so this emphasizes that, you know, we, we, are, we are needing to find a way to work together and to acknowledge that that is how we do well. That it might, it might appear that some people are doing extraordinary things by themselves, but really when you peel away the layers, actually what's going on is that we, we are all supported by an enormous number of people and that's healthy. You, you conclude the book by encouraging people to develop their own whakatoki. Could you talk about that, what it involves and kind of the significance of that I guess? Sure, so um, you know I'm a practical person, I'm a doctor, I like to um, work with people in a way to encourage others to see resources within themselves, often in situations where the, that's a key problem, people don't see themselves as having the necessary resources. 
And so having having laid out these various whakatauki and whakatawaki, I thought let's encourage um, the reader to try this out uh, for themselves, for yourselves. And this is actually something we we do in many of the uh, language immersion uh, wānanga that, that I've been to over the years. So, and, and you can use the letters of the word aroha if you want to. So A <laughs> can stand for allow, observe the natural world, allow yourself to stop and take notice and take some pleasure in noticing something that strikes you in the natural world. I don't know about you, but I love birds. I love our manu. So I, I'm always aware and I'm, I notice what the manu are doing. Um, you might be someone who loves trees and leaves and you notice how they move in the, in the air and in the wind or the colours. You might be someone who loves the water and the waves and how the colour of, of the ocean or the, the lake or the river near you changes. And then the R can stand for reflect. Reflect on your favourites. What are you drawn to? Uh, or organise some words and phrases. How could you describe in in a in a pithy way, in a nuggety way, what might those leaves be saying to you if they could say something to you? And it might be that they're giving you a warning. It might be that they're reminding you about some uh, morals or ethics or ways of being that you want to aspire to. And then think about your own habits. What do you notice about yourself? that might resonate with what you've noticed in nature. And then finally, A for apply. You know, what? what how can you apply the whakatauki that you've, whakatauaki that you've written right now? How can you actually put it into practice and bring that, um, that picture that you've taken from your life into becoming something that you regularly reflect on and learn from? So if, if we did that as an exercise, is it okay for it to be in English or does it does it have to be in Te Reo Māori? Well, to be a whakatauaki, <laughs> it has to be in Te Reo Māori. So this is also, I think, something that can be a useful challenge for everyone who is trying to take on board some some degree of proficiency in Te Reo me on a tikanga, not just the words, but the, the learning about all the cultural um cultural laws and cultural norms and cultural practices that we hold dear so I think it is a useful challenge in Aotearoa in particular and throughout the world people might like to learn a few phrases or create a few phrases in, in uh, Te Reo Māori so yes I think it's um, it's useful because then the words that you choose will be words that you will remember in in your in your journey of learning a language. Wonderful. Kia ora, Hine. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about Aroha. And yeah, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you. That's our Aroha episode done and dusted. Go to booksatwork.co.nz for the Aroha Take 5, five things from the book that you can use today to make work better. Give your feedback via the website too, or please follow Books at Work on Instagram. I'm Anna Hughes and that's Books That Work, making work better.